Well, good morning. Thank you so much for watching online. And one of the good things about watching live is you're able to do the live chat. And I miss hanging out with you guys. I miss having conversations with y'all. So a couple of good things are happening over the next couple of months is we're going to be doing more in-person gatherings tonight. We have uh, the Upstreet pool party, which looking forward to. I know Brooke is super jazzed about that. So hopefully I'll be able to hang out with some of you there. Last week they had a transit uh, back to school bash and heard that there would be about nine students there, which was awesome. Look, we're going to do more of these in-person gatherings. The best way you can stay connected, of course, is follow us on social media, but also stay tuned uh, each and every week. Tune in at 1030 live and you'll be able to chat, interact with other people. I think that's one way to stay connected uh, through this pandemic. We're going to start a new series this week and we're going to finish it out next week called True North. And what we want to do is we want to answer two questions. One, what is our true north? And the second question is, how do we, uh, how do we get on the path to our true north? What helps us to get and pursue our true north? Most, many of you know I grew up on a farm in central PA, and we had about 12 acres, and a lot of that wo was woods. And growing up during the summer, we would do paintball, we would hunt, we would do hide-and-seek. I mean, we would be out in the woods all the time. And as a kid, you lose track of time, you lose track of where you are, and we could hear my mom yelling at a distance, hey, y'all, come in. Like, we could hear her project, and her little 5'2 frame, she could project pretty loud. And so we had to figure out where we were and how to get there. And so first thing, don't panic, right? Don't panic. The second thing is we opened up a compass, and we learned that our house, no matter where we were in the woods, if we followed north, we would eventually get to the house. And it's interesting, as the woods kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, we knew that if we followed north, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. And there's not a better, better feeling in the world to know that there's clearing and then you see the house up on the hill. It's a really cool feeling. True north is really important. So have you ever been there? Without a true north, our anxiety ramps up and we feel lost. We feel out of control. We feel out of place. We feel like it's very hard to catch up. We don't feel, we, we none, none of us feel like, none of us won't want to be lost. So a true north, what it does is it brings peace and clarity. And that's what we need. And so we're going to be looking at what our true north is and what are some things that help us pursue our true north over the next couple of weeks. So first question is this, is we want to answer the question, why we connect? We'll discover that it's a huge part of our true north. And it's no secret that people are attending church less and less. I mean, before the pandemic, this happened. And even after the pandemic, this has happened too. Look, when the pandemic first happened, everybody went online. Well, most churches went online. We went online and it was quite the, I mean, we had to go online within two days. I mean, it was a huge turnaround. Our team has done a great job when we first offered online to where we are now. Our team has just done a really, a really, really good job. So here's the deal. People have gotten used to it. When we first went online, we had over 400 people, 400 viewers, which meant for us, we tripled our attendance. At Easter, we had our largest Easter ever. But then after Easter, every church that I know of, that we're part of, any network that we're part of, we've seen constant decline. Wow, people have gotten used to church online. They can watch on demand. So here's the things that we've, we found. 50% of Christian millennials are not viewing services online. 
five months into this pandemic, 50% of Christian millennials, 35% of Gen Xers have stopped watching online. 26% of boomers have stopped watching online. 18% watch other churches. 14% have switched churches. So from conversations I've had with some of you even, but the conversations I've been he hearing have been this. Well, online church isn't the same as being in person. Well, that's very true. It, it's completely different. But that hasn't stopped us from doing other things either. I mean, look, I don't know about you, but we like to go out eat at least once a week. And Texas Roadhouse is one of our favorite places. Like, it has changed how we go out to eat. But we still go out to eat. It just looks different. Same, same good experience. It just looks different. hasn't stopped us. I've heard this. I can watch it anytime on demand, so why watch live? Well, for one big reason is you miss out on the interaction piece. You miss out on connecting with people. Look, I understand that some of us work, and that makes sense. And thank goodness we have an on-demand option. But for some, most of us, look, if you're not doing anything at 1030 on a Sunday morning, I mean, come on. The, the other thing, too, is I've heard is it's too much with kids running around. And that may be very true. Here's one of the cool things. Every Saturday night, we already upload the message part, part of the service. So on Sunday morning, when you wake up, no matter how early you wake up, it's there. You just have to go to southridge.us forward slash media. The sermon's there. And so we want to make it as easy as possible for everyone to stay connected, stay plugged in. And here's an observation. I noticed this before the pandemic, and I've noticed this even after the pandemic, is this. Those who are less and less in community, whether they're attending on Sunday, whether they're in a group, are the ones who seem to experience more and more chaos in their life. I mean, this doesn't mean that chaos doesn't happen to those who attend church or a group. What it means and what it implies is that there is more opportunity to learn and apply God's word to our lives when we're in community. Like, the more community, the more opportunity. Instead, here's what's happened. This may be you. We've become our own true north. We've become our own true north. And I'll be, I'll shoot straight with you. I'm the worst true north there is. I'm my worst true north. Look, sometimes I make decisions based on how I feel, and those decisions usually don't turn out really well. Or sometimes I make decisions based on how I feel and the way I feel is I don't want anyone else to help me make those decisions. And guess what? I make more work for myself. And that's not good. Look, some of us, have, we've trusted ourselves in our own true north. We've become our own true north. Look, it's a very dangerous thing to rely on ourselves to make big decisions based on feelings. It's never a good thing. We need something like I change. And I need something that doesn't change. I need something that's constant, that's consistent. And that's in God and his word. See, we need God and his, and his word to be our true north. One of our values as a church is biblical authority, which answers the question, are your priorities consistent with the Bible? Are your priorities consistent with the Bible? Look, God doesn't change. He's consistent. And he tells us that he is our true north and how to get to our true north. And he gives us the best example in Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he showed us the way to live. And that way is better, better than anything that could ever be offered. Here, here's why. Look, 
I'm still going to deal with chaos. I'm still going to deal with conflict. I'm still going to deal with confusion in my life. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But with Jesus, he's able to give me peace and clarity that no one else can give me. It's an amazing thing. So not only do we need God and his word to be our true north, but we need each other on this journey. We need each other on this journey. I mean, life is already complicated, and the pandemic has just ratcheted that complication up even more. Look, we've had people in our church who've lost a family member. We've had people who've gone to gone through major surgeries. We had people who uh, had a baby come along. And believe it or not, we've had their circles, their groups come alongside of them and provide them meals, provide them uh, any, any financials they need or clothes. Like we've come alongside and we've helped them. Look, that would not have happened without them being in a group. That's why being a group is so important. Look, we're better with other people. You're better with other people. I'm better with other people. Teachers, coaches, counselors, friends, family, spouse, I'm better with other people. Look, we would argue, look, think of golf for a second. I don't know how many of you play golf, but Dustin Johnson is a really good golfer. Jordan Spieth is a really good golfer. Tiger Woods is a really good golfer. Look, these golfers, even though it's an individual sport, they got a caddy, they got a coach, maybe they even got a swing coach. They have different people that are around them helping them become better. And look, you and I, we are better with people in our lives. People are able to see our blind spots. Let me tell you a quick story about people not telling me that I had a blind spot. So the first church that uh, I was hired on, I was 20 years old. I was the assistant pastor. This was in North Carolina. And this is one of those churches where, you know, kind of wore the suit on Sundays. And so uh, the, the pastor gave me the opportunity to, to preach. And so I was preaching on a Sunday. And man, I got up and I was behind this podium. And sometimes I would walk to the side. And people are engaged. I mean, they're listening to me. They're cracking smiles. I'm thinking, man, I'm really knocking it out of the ballpark, right? Man, I get down and I get done, fini- I get finished. And it, the way that you do things back then is you actually go to the, the back of the auditorium or the sanctuary, they called it, and you shook hands with people as they left. And I remember, I can't, I won't ever forget this. An older gentleman came up to me and he shook my hand and he, he leaned in. He said, X, Y, Z. I said, X, Y, Z. What are you talking about? He said, X, Y, Z. I said, I'm so sorry. Is that code for something? He said, yeah, examine your zipper. And I looked down, and can you believe it? That white shirt that I had on and that dark suit, people could see it. No wonder why people were paying attention to me. Man, if I had someone telling me that, hey, X, Y, Z, before I spoke, man, I'll tell you. Look, life was not meant to be done alone. Life was not meant to be done alone. If it was meant to be done alone, God would have just created Adam, not Eve. But instead, he said, Adam and Eve, look, I want you to make more Adams and Eves. Fact is, God made you and I in his likeness. He made you and me like him. And here's what that means. He's in community with himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. How it all works, I have no idea. It's beyond me. It's a mystery. But he created you and I to be like him. And if he's in community, that means that we're meant for community. Look, something happened 25, 30 years after the resurrection where people started gathering less and less. The same thing that we're experiencing now, people started it back then. 
it ble- like they had people that were alive who saw the risen Jesus, and people were still meeting less and less. So here's the deal. You have an author, and he wants to kind of turn the tide a bit. And so he's writing this letter to get people, to encourage people, to inspire people to keep meeting together. And so that is my heart today. As we kind of go through that, I want you to know, I don't want any of us to drift, especially as we begin more online gatherings. We continue to do online and we still continue to do some in-person gatherings. We want everyone to kind of feel comfortable with what they want to do. But listen, that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you still can't connect. We can connect online on Sunday or a weekday. We can still connect. I don't want any of us to drift. And I believe the, the heart of this author didn't want anyone to drift either. So this is what he writes. He says, let us hold tightly. Have you ever held on something tightly? Maybe your, maybe your boy, boyfriend's hand, your, your girlfriend's hand, your, hand, your husband, your wife's hand, you, you hold on tightly. Well, that means you're white-knuckling something, man. You're not letting go. And what, what aren't we letting go? We're not letting go the hope we affirm. The hope we affirm is the fact that Jesus is coming back one day. We don't know when, but we know that he is. He says, look, we need a white knuckle of this hope that Jesus is coming, this promise that Jesus is coming back. You know why we can do that? It's because God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, he's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, and they know, they're well-versed in all these prophecies or predictions that the Messiah was going to come. And listen, Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. There's also prophecy predictions that he's going to come again. He's going to return. And he's saying, look, we need to hold on to the fact that if God provided Jesus the first time, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. If he held serve on Jesus' first coming, he's going to hold serve on Jesus' second coming. And we as followers can look forward with hope because God has already done things He's already, he's already accomplished so many of his promises and he's going to continue doing that. So when we gather together, we are holding on to this hope together. When we gather, we pray, we preach, we sing, we celebrate this hope that Jesus is coming again. He's going to renew all things. And so what we're doing is we're gathering, we're renewing our commitment to God and being reminded that we're in this thing together as brothers and sisters waiting for Jesus to come again. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The word motivate means to stir up and to disagree. Look, all of us are different, and that's a good thing. We have people of different stories, of different backgrounds, of different hues and different views. We have people of different talents and abilities. We have people who have different political affiliations and different opinions about things. Listen. We're different. We're all different. And that makes us better as a church. Listen, if everyone is the same, it's probably a cult. We may disagree on preferences, but what I love about our staff, what I love about our elder team and our finance team is the fact that we are lockstep with our mission and vision. Our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus. Our vision is to create environments that inspire people to follow Jesus. And we are lockstep with that. Think of this. You ever um, buy golf balls for maybe yourself or maybe for someone else, and they come in these boxes, and they have a three-ball sleeve. They're together, but they're not connected. 
Then you think of a bag of grapes, how each grape, they're connected. Not only are they together, but they're connected. Here's the deal. You and I, being part of Southridge, being part of our church, we're more like the cluster of grapes than we are the sleeve of golf balls. You know what thing that connects you and I together? It's Jesus. Jesus refers to himself as the vine. We're all growing on the same vine, which is a beautiful picture of the local church, what Jesus is growing, what Jesus is producing. Look, when you and I, we disagree with someone, that disagreement ought to, if anything, it should not drive us to comparison, but it should drive us to community. It should drive us to serve one another. Look, when, when someone who may not look like me, may not have the same views as me, begins to serve me, I'm looking at ways to serve other people. It stirs something in me to serve. Acts of love and good works. Look, when we encourage each other by serving, what happens is our church begins to look more of a potluck than a drive through Finally, he says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. The word neglect, it means beyond, it means more than quitting. Quitting impacts just you, but abandoning impacts other people. He's saying, look, when people abandon, not only are they quitting on themselves, but they're abandoning other people. Abandoning when they meet together, when they gather together. Some people walked away. Some people walked away because of persecution. There's many reasons why some of you have walked away and have come back. He says, but encourage one another. It means to invite. It means to, hey, come with me. Come watch with me on Sunday. Hey, come to group with me. Hey, you going to be a group? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Look, one day, you and I are not going to need each other like we do now. God is going to make all things new, a new heaven, a new earth, no pain, no more doctor visits, no more hospitals, no more funeral homes, but also no salvations and no baptisms. Look, you and I, we need each other more now than we've ever needed each other before. We need each other. Then we're not going to need each other like we do now. Listen, we need each other. As we land the plane this morning, I, I love this. This is let the message of Christ in all its richness, the gospel, the message of Jesus that he died for you. He rose again to exchange, exchange our spiritual life, our spiritual death for spiritual life. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Look, there's four things you and I are invited to do. One, to consume. Look, we all need to be filled up with that hope. It's important to consume. That's why it's important that we sing and preach what we do. Everything should inspire us to follow Jesus. We must be filling up on his word, his promises, and his teachings. And the best way to do that is not just by yourself, but with other people. So this Christian walk was not meant to be done alone. It was meant to be done with other people. The second thing is to contribute. Jesus is our prime example of what it looks like to serve, what it looks like to connect. And then part of contributing is also giving. There's community among our serve teams. There's community among our groups. They build into each other, man. There's accountability. There's belonging. There's care that's happening as we contribute. 
then also counsel. You and I, we are invited to counsel. That means at times that we're going to be giving advice, and then other times we're going to be seeking advice. Look, in every conversation you and I are in, we ought to be a teacher and we ought to be a student. We ought to be a teacher and we ought to be a student. And the final thing is this, is to celebrate. Sometimes we skip this. But look, every Sunday we celebrate that Jesus defeated death, he defeated sin, and he defeated hell. He defeated all of that through his resurrection. Man, that's what we celebrate every Sunday. Even though it's not Easter, that's what we're celebrating. We're coming together because the tomb was empty on the first day of the week. Look, he's making all things new. Sunday, I love watching live with you on Sunday. It builds a little bit of momentum for my week to come because it's a reset for me. It's a restart. And I look forward to Sunday because it's reminding that the first day of the week, when they found the empty tomb, man, God was making all things new. He was starting to make all things new. And it reminds me that on Sunday, he's making all things new for the following week. Listen, I don't want you to drift. I really don't want you to drift. So, Allison's going to come up on the screen in just a second, so I'm going to hand it over to her. And as we do, I want you to, I'm just going to leave you with this. I promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this, and I'm going to pray. Hand it over to her. As your pastor, I don't want you to drift. I don't want you to be on the fringe. Listen, life is complicated, and life will continue to be complicated through this. A little less chaos, a little less complication happens when we have other people in our lives. Listen, we've given so many opportunities. We, we, we've started so many new groups to fit almost every need. Allison's going to explain more of that. But look, hopefully we've given so many options that there's no excuse not to be in a group. Listen, I love you guys. I love you. And I'm going to hand this over to Allison, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, my only ask this morning is that you use the words that I studied for, that I prepared for, God, to inspire people. And quite honestly, you know, forget everything that I said. Just let your word inspire people to make that next step. God, please, I'm asking that you give people the courage to find a group, sign up for that group, and have people in their lives that will help them see blind spots, that will care for them, that will love them, that will accept them. God, allow that to happen over this, nah, probably this semester, these, these next three, four months. God, give people the courage they need. In Jesus' name, amen.